When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, NFL fans? Welcome to our very first live stream episode of the Fans First Football Show. I am one of the hosts, Jeff Hartman, joined by Rob Stats Guerrero. What's up, Rob? How's it going? Oh, look at my T-shirt! Oh, it's going great, baby. I, I really victory don't want Monday. No, I don't want to look at that T-shirt because the 49ers with their victory Monday made the Steelers look absolutely silly in their home opener. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about every single game that happened in Week One leading up to this. Monday, which obviously the Monday night game is yet to happen. We want to break this down in a way that is kind of, you know, we want to talk about every single game, but yet we don't want to stay too long on any one particular matchup. So we're going to go through these and I'm going to start off with the games that most would be deemed a blowout. We'll talk about it. We'll see if there was something to maybe note or something of that nature, but then we'll get down to the games that were pretty close and maybe super competitive, but it was Rob just in general, before we get to specific games, what a weird week one. And you said this last week, week ones are weird. And it lived up to that. Strange stuff happens in week one every single year. Teams, I mean, the Bears won in week one last year and then like one, I think one other game the rest of the yeah. season. Like just strange stuff happens in week one. Joe Burrow threw for less than 100 yards. I mean, it's it's wild, but it happens every single year. How much stock do you put into that? Like some people have now said, and maybe this is excuse making, call it what it is. Some people have said week one's essentially just an extension of the preseason. You got to wait until week three or four until you actually can get a good feel for these teams. You buy into that or you, th- you disagree? No, I kind of buy into it a little bit, honestly. Like I, there's a lot I'm willing to throw out in week one. Not everything. I don't think you can just, you know, ignore everything that happened. But like Joe Burrow is not going to, I'm not worried about Joe Burrow just because he had a really bad game against Cincinnati or against uh, Cleveland. Excuse me. Like, no, but some stuff I just say, Hey, all right, we'll move on and we'll see what happens next week. Yeah. And I think sometimes you have to take the good with the bad with a grain of salt. So even the teams that maybe showed up and looked really good, they can come back down to earth. Just like the teams that look really bad. They can definitely rise up. As an example, last year, week one, San Francisco losing to the Chicago Bears is prime. So let's talk about some of these blowouts. Was there a bigger blowout than Sunday night football? Everyone's hyped up for this NFC East matchup. Cowboys-Giants, I said it last week, I kind of feel like this matchup is, in terms of primetime exposure, is kind of overdone for me. Uh, But nonetheless, the Cowboys absolutely decimate the Giants 40 to nothing. 40 to nothing. 
Rob, I mean, you're an NFC guy. What do you think? I say this with all due respect to the reigning defensive player of the year in Nick Bosa. Micah Parsons might be the scariest defensive player in the league. The man is, first of all, he's everywhere for the Cowboys. Every time there's a play in the backfield, he's there. And he just, he looks like a lion out there, like stalking his prey. It is terrifying. That Dallas defense absolutely lit the Giants up. Daniel Jones was under pressure or moving around every single snap. And they just, from the word go, I mean, this one got away from the Giants quickly. They had one good drive. The first drive of the game, they went down the field. They stalled out. And then the Cowboys blocked the field goal. They returned it for a touchdown. And that's it. It was over. This was the most dominating win of week one. By 40 to nothing, it's 40 to nothing. Like if people are like, oh man, I went to bed last night. What did I miss? You missed the Dallas Cowboys beating the piss out of your Giants, is what you missed. I look, I don't think the Giants are any good. I know they made the playoffs last year. To me, it was smoke and mirrors, and then everybody had a whole offseason to study it, and they were like, Yeah, your stuff's not gonna work anymore. We're gonna smash you in the mouth. And the Cowboys offense didn't even look that good in this game. I've been very skeptical of Mike yeah. McCarthy because I don't think he's a good offensive coach anymore. And they didn't have to do anything. Like, it didn't even matter. I mean, Dak Prescott threw for 143 yards. Like, there was nothing out of them. But their defense and special teams were so good that it just, it was a blowout. It was a pulverizing win by the Cowboys. Didn't have to do much, uh, probably, after, like you said, that game got away from the Giants really early, really quick. And so we're not going to spend a ton of time on that. And unfortunately for me, maybe the next biggest blowout involved our two favorite football teams, the San Francisco 49ers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. This one for me was done at the get-go. Uh, when the Steelers elected to take the ball instead of putting <laughs> their defense on, I'm not joking, man. I am not joking you at all. When the Steelers, I, I'm, I'm following on Twitter, Steelers win the coin toss, they elect to take the ball. I said, I do not like that at all. Not in one bit. Nonetheless, Steelers go three and out. They don't get a freaking first down until their 95-yard touchdown drive at the very end of the first half. They could do nothing offensively, nothing on third down. And credit to the San Francisco 49ers. That defense is legit. The offense has a ton of playmakers. They only had four players catch passes. Brandon Ayuk, I don't think, I don't think he's still probably in San Francisco being uncovered. He's running wide open. But Rob, you have to be ecstatic after this 37 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road in week one. This was a smothering. This might have been the best first half of football I've ever seen the 49ers play under Kyle Shanahan. At one point, the Niners outgained the Steelers 200 yards to one in this game. Like, that's not even an exaggeration. That's the actual statistical discrepancy in the two teams. The Niners defense just was all over the place. Fred Warner is covering everybody in the middle of the field. And offensively for the Niners, like, yeah, you mentioned Brandon Ayuk, who had a great game, eight catches, 129 yards and two touchdowns. Brock Purdy, everybody he throws the ball to is an all pro, except for Brandon Ayuk, basically. Kittle, Debo, McCaffrey. Every completion, he's going to throw it to an all pro pretty much. And he went down the field, did his job. I thought he did an excellent job evading pressure for most of the game. I know TJ Watt made a couple of plays because TJ Watt is a force of nature. Yes. But other than that, I thought Purdy used his legs to escape. And yeah, it was if you don't have an elite play caller and or an elite quarterback, this is what the 49ers defense is going to do to you. 
Yes, and uh, the Steelers don't have either right now. They don't have an elite play caller in Matt Canada. Kenny Pickett looks like a very inexperienced quarterback still. He did not even have a full season under his belt, so he's still learning. Uh, and and there, there there is something about the 49ers that I think Steeler fans don't want to admit that they are really freaking good. Like, they just want to point the blame <laughs> at everyone, but they are a – I mean, there was this team was – a quarterback three away from being in the Super Bowl last year. I mean, let's let's be honest. The Philadelphia Eagles beat them because they had no quarterback. So the 49ers come out of the gate looking strong. That was a blowout. I don't care what anyone says. And the 49ers faithful took over Akrashore Stadium, something I have not seen very yes. much in my lifetime. So, yeah, good for you all. Absolutely. It was a let's go Niners chant at the I, game. Yeah. Can we Blew move on me now? away? Can we? And- <laughs> Can I just say really quick? Too, uh, go ahead. I'll just check with you. Patrick Peterson, like maybe shut up before the game. Maybe don't talk about the tells the 49ers have until the game is over because you yeah. got cooked by Brandon Ayuk twice. One of the times Ayuk made you fall down in the end zone and caught a touchdown. And then the second one, Brock Purdy just looked right at you the whole time and just threw up a 50-50 ball to Ayuk. And then after the game, Purdy gave the sly oh, little. Yeah. I heard it. Was that, was that Patrick Peterson? Hmm, I didn't realize that. Ayuk <laughs> was eight catches on eight targets. Like, every time they threw him the ball, it was a completed pass. Think about that. It's insane. But still, Niners win. Big win. We could spend 30 minutes on this game alone. But we're not. I got to be honest. The biggest surprise in terms of a blowout loss was the Bengals and Browns. We talked about this last Monday, how this was a game we were looking forward to seeing you mentioned Joe Burrow struggling. The Browns beat the Bengals 24 to three hold serve at home. I know the Bengals struggle against the Browns, but I never expected that Rob, like you, you see this final, you watch the highlights, you watch a condensed version of the game. Doesn't matter. What were your thoughts on this one? I think that number one, I didn't like the trash talk from Cincinnati. I think it was Jamar Ch- or T Higgins. Yeah. One of the Bengals receivers Jamar says Chase, Cleveland is Cleveland, which got them <laughs> fired up. Um, the Cincinnati's offensive line is still not good. And when your offensive line is not good and you go up against Miles Garrett and the Browns front, which actually is pretty good, this is the potential of what can happen. And the weather didn't help either. I know it was rainy. The ball slipped out of Joe Burrow's hands. You know, I know he made a big thing joking about people talking about his hand size when he came out. Well, in games like this, in bad weather games, stuff like that tends to hurt you a little more than other people. And it was just an all-around Ugly, ugly performance by Cincinnati and credit to the Browns. The Browns have done some work on their defense this offseason. Zadarius Smith was a great addition. It gives them the compliment to Miles Garrett that really Jadavian Clowney never provided. They all thought he was going to, but it never provided that complimentary piece. They have that now. And in an offseason where the Cincinnati Bengals go out and get Orlando Brown Jr. and think, okay, we're shoring up the offensive front, you may you hit the nail on the head. They're struggling. They've got some issues in pass protection. And now all of a sudden it's just what in the heck is going on with these teams in week one? You gotta try and I, I hate using the asterisks because that got thrown around a whole lot after Thursday night football, which we'll talk about that kickoff game here soon. But you know what? The Bengals and Browns, two teams that you know, another division game comes up next week with the Bengals and Ravens going head to head and the Steelers and Browns on Monday night football. The AFC North is going to be hot and heavy in week two. Let's continue talking about the Ravens. Not much to really discuss in their 25 to nine win over the Houston Texans. I think we all predicted this game. Uh, although Lamar Jackson did not really look that great in this game, very pedestrian numbers. 
Um, I know this because I started him in my Fandle lineup and he did uh, not perform very well. And I should have learned my lesson, Jeff. Don't ever start Lamar Jackson because he never plans out for you. Anything uh, out of this game that you want to bring up? Well, the only thing, I, unfortunately, I have to bring up is that the Ravens lost some key pieces due to injury. They're always banged yeah. up. That was my big question mark with the yep. Ravens was, can these pieces that are good when they're healthy, can they stay healthy? Ronnie Stanley got hurt in the game. Their franchise left tackle. He's got a knee injury. And J.K. Dobbins looks like he's going to be out a potentially devastating ankle injury. That poor guy cannot stay on the field. So already we're chipping away at this Ravens team, which is a shame because they are super talented. I really like a lot of the pieces that they had. And I think you're right about Lamar Jackson. He was okay. Don't forget D'Amico Ryans is on the other side for the Texans. He's a pretty good yeah. defense coordinator. Yeah. But the Ravens handled their business, which credit to them. In an AFC where you're not going to have a lot of quote-unquote easier weeks, they had one this week and they did what they needed to. Absolutely. I think J.K. Dobbins, at last I heard, ruptured Achilles. That's Ugh. that's a season-ending oh, one there. Okay. That's, that's awful. That is awful. So... The blowout games continued with the Atlanta Falcons winning by two scores over the Carolina Panthers. A lot of people very critical of Bryce Young in his first game. Bijan Robinson adding a highlight reel catch and run touchdown. He looks to be a force in Atlanta in that run heavy offense. Uh, anything about this NFC South matchup that intrigued you? Well, Bijan, like in one play, he he justified all the hype. That is such a special play. He catches a screen pass if he didn't see it. And there's a guy right on him, and he makes this just like quick twitch juke move, and the guy flies past him, and then he blasts directly through the middle of two defenders. He splits two defenders and goes into the end zone for a touchdown. Like one of those wow plays that in Atlanta, like honestly, it reminded me of a Michael Vick type play, like where some guy just does something crazy on the field. Uh, but I have to say, like, I Desmond Ritter to me. Man, like, can you throw a pass downfield? He was 15 of 18 for 115 yards. It's like, dude, push the ball. You have Kyle Pitts. Like, does he forget? You have Drake London. And oh, by the way, Desmond Ritter had as many targets in this game as Drake London. Think about that. The starting quarterback for the Falcons had as many targets as Drake London. Like, that is, that is a broken offense right there in that game. You've got to get that fixed if you're Atlanta. Why is it so hard to get the ball to these guys who are good players? The NFC South is bad. It was bad last year. I think it's bad again this year. And we're talking about two teams. And a lot of people thought Atlanta was going to surprise people. I I've never been a, a believer in Desmond Ritter and that offensive scheme down there. It just seems like they're trying to re resuscitate 1990s football. And it's just not going <laughs> to happen. Like that's just not the way the game's played anymore. And let's uh, let's stick with the NFC South and maybe the closest game outside of Thursday night. We'll get to that in a second. The New Orleans Saints hold on, cling to dear life against the Tennessee Titans in a 16 to 15 final score in New Orleans. I watched the highlights of this game. If there were any, there weren't. There wasn't much. We'll put it that way. I mean, the Titans are built to run the ball, play good defense, and don't turn it over. And Ryan Tannehill had three interceptions, and Derrick Henry only ran for 63 yards in the game. Like that is that's not the formula for the Titans. They are a very limited team. They really have like that is their path to victory. That's kind of their game plan. Now they did bring in DeAndre Hopkins, so hopefully, you know, they could use some play action and burn you with a couple plays with him. And he was okay, seven catches for 65 yards. But you can't have your quarterback and Ryan Tannehill turning the ball over three times. You're never going to win if you're the Titans. 
And in a game you lost by one point, those turnovers loom large. For a team that's drafted quarterbacks the last two seasons in the Tennessee Titans, not a good debut for Ryan Tannehill is trying to keep his job. Now, I'm not saying they're going to pull the plug this early, but I mean, come on. They've, they've drafted Malik Willis, and then uh, obviously I the guy's name, the Hellman's guy, the mayonnaise guy. Will Levis, who <laughs> was Will Levis. For this game. He wasn't even active. Oh, my gosh. Well, he might scratch. Next... Yikes. Yikes. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yikes. But kudos to the Saints. They are uh, – Derek Carr, the experiment has begun in New Orleans. We'll see if that pans out. And so we start with a slew of games that were a little bit closer. I feel like, to me, the surprise of the week was the, the Tampa Bay Bucks, The Buccaneers, who everyone kind of said, okay, Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask, both are not good. Uh, on the road against Minnesota, Minnesota's got a lot of hope, a lot of hype this preseason Buccaneers find a way to win 20 to 17 on the road. I, I'm not a believer in Baker Mayfield who did not look good in the first half of this game, by the way, but he ended up kind of rising up, making enough plays to win. And Mike Evans is just really good at football too. Yeah. Mike, <laughs> like all he does is put up a thousand yards and yeah. 10 touchdowns every single year. And people are always like, yeah, he's okay. It's like, damn, <laughs> he's really good, really consistent. But I feel like this is the Vikings team that we kind of thought that they would be last year, right? Last year, people were like, ah, oh, the Vikings aren't that good, but it was always close. And Kirk Cousins pulled it out every single week for the Vikings yeah. last year in the fourth quarter. This year, that magic is gone. Vikings go three and out on their last two possessions of the game. And it's like, yeah, they have Justin Jefferson. You know, he's really, really good. Kirk Cousins can make some plays and he threw for 344 in the game. But credit to the Bucks. Everybody was trashing them. Easy to play the us against the world card. And uh, Baker Mayfield gets another win. What does he have? He's got wins for the Browns. He's got wins for the Rams. Now he's yeah. got wins for the Bucks. Like, damn, man. In, in short spurts, Baker can give you a little life. Is he the new Ryan Fitzpatrick who's going to bounce around the league and have yeah. all these wins for all these different teams? Like, you have to wonder, maybe. But uh, a good win for Tampa Bay. Uh, that's probably a tough one to swallow for Minnesota. Like I said, they were at home. And let's go to a game that I think a lot of people were just kind of like, man, this is kind of, you know, AFC South, not very good. The Jaguars and Colts, the Jaguars end up winning 31 to 21. Anthony Richardson experiment officially begins. He leaves the game at the very end of the game with, I think they're calling it a bone bruise or something that. I saw a comparison, not the same hyperextension to Travis Kelsey's knee injury, but similar in terms of they're not sure how long he's going to be sidelined. Uh, we had the Gardner Minshew experiment enter the game at the very end with the game on the line. The Jaguars find a way to win. I think that is the the one thing that stands out to me after this game. The Colts, hey, they hung with it without Jonathan Taylor and with Anthony Richardson doing his thing. The Jaguars, though, are the better team, and they found a way to win. I think that's important. Rob, what do you think? Yeah, like you mentioned the Jonathan Taylor thing. Anthony Richardson led the Colts with 40 yards rushing. Next was Deion Jackson, who had 14 yards on 13 carries. Like, this is why you need Jonathan Taylor if you're a Colts fan. The, the whole tenor of the game could be different if he was in there, but we know he wasn't because they're being dumb. And credit <laughs> to the Jackson. How about Calvin Ridley? Eight catches, yeah. 101 yards and a touchdown. Remember, he hadn't played because of the whole betting scandal. He yeah. comes in. Looking good. Trevor Lawrence made some crazy plays in this one, scrambling around, finding guys. Trevor Lawrence, look, I'm a little biased because he's my fantasy quarterback, not going to lie. But 
he's making plays out there that are like, whoa, like wow plays. The plays we expected when he came into the league, his rookie year was a complete wash because of the Urban Meyer disaster in Jacksonville. Now he has a real coach, an adult in Doug Peterson, who's one of the best coaches in the entire league. Trevor Lawrence goes for 241, two touchdowns and a pick. He also ran for 21 yards. I think the Jags are going to be sneaky good this year. They have a shot to to win the number one seed, or I think they'll be right up there too, honestly. Wow. That's a that's a hot take for this Monday morning. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I mean, it's a division win. It's a division win. You can never mm-hmm. discredit those. I don't care when they happen on the schedule. You can never do that. So kudos to the Jaguars for finding a way to win on the road. Let's go to a game that was really ugly. Even if you just watch the highlights, it's the the Arizona Cardinals and the Washington Commanders. The Commanders find a way. Sam Howell gets a win, 20-16 to 16 final score. There, there was just some weird plays. There was a, a strip sack that was a scoop and score play for the, the Arizona Cardinals. At one point, they were threatening, and we're all thinking, I mean, fans are just NFL football. Like, what's going on? Like This game, this Cardinals team is supposed to be tanking. They're supposed to be awful. Joshua Dobbs is a quarterback. What's going on? The Commanders find a way to win, and like I said, it was a very ugly game at FedEx Field. What were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, you're right. Arizona's leading 16-10 going into the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, Washington's yeah. like, they got to pick it up. You know, Washington's loving to tell people that, you know, don't sleep on us and Dan Snyder's gone and we got all this momentum. And all of a sudden, you're like, what the hell? You should you should be wiping the floor with, a, with the Cardinals team that started Josh Dobbs yeah. at quarterback. He threw for 132 yards in the game. But again, week one is weird. Who knows? Credit to the commanders for taking care of your business. The Cardinals, look, they're going to be on their way. Uh, I, I tweeted, I think, last Saturday or two Saturdays ago, keep Caleb Williams away from the Cardinals. But that's where they're trending this year. So yeah, they're yeah. on the, the, the Cardinals are taking care of their business, too. 0-1. Well, and that's going to be an interesting storyline to keep your eye on throughout the rest of the season. But, yeah, Cardinals not looking good. Another team which was surprising, and I brought this up last Monday when we talked about games to watch. as like a sneaky game that I think could be competitive. Really wasn't, but in the wrong direction. Your your division, NFC West, the Rams 30, Seahawks 13, with Cooper Cup going on injured reserve, I was not expecting much of an offensive output from the Los Angeles Rams, the team the 49ers play in week two. Yet here they were, moving the football, playing good defense. Aaron Donald, which may be one of the funniest clips <laughs> I've seen in a long time. <laughs> Gino Smith catching the hot mic when he sees of, of Aaron Donald running right up the middle untouched. Oh my God. And he the <laughs> That's the only appropriate response when you see Aaron Donald running free at you is, Oh my God, I need to throw this ball. So I don't get pulverized. I could think of some expletives. I probably would have heard there as well. True. But still, need- still the Se- the Seahawks, I was expecting them to come out looking a little bit better. They came out flat. The Rams, kudos to them. But this is more about the Seahawks for me. What about you? What do you think? This is your division. Well, you know what? You didn't expect Tutu Atwell and Puka Nakua to go for 119 receiving yards each? Shame <laughs> on you. Uh, I know who they are. <laughs> Sean McVay is such a better coach than Pete Carroll. Like, Pete Carroll, to me, is not that great of a coach. He's not a details coach. He kind of lets their players just do whatever the hell they want. And I think the Seahawks player said, we got the Rams week one. We made the playoffs. We're the big, bad Seahawks. And the Rams stink. It's a rebuilding year for them. And I don't think they took them seriously. They got smashed on their home field. Credit to Sean McVay and the Rams. Matthew Stafford looks 
certainly healthier than he looked last yeah. year when he was in there. He throws for 344 yards and good for the Rams for taking advantage of a Seahawks team that I think didn't take them seriously. Now, I think Seattle's better than what they showed. Geno Smith threw for 112 yards in the game against a, a Rams defense that is not good. <laughs> They're yeah. just not good. And I think Seattle was sleeping and the Rams get the win, which is perfect for me because now the 49ers won't take the Rams lightly when they play them next week. Yeah. We know the 49ers generally beat the Rams. And this is this is nice, too, for me, for this perspective, because a Seattle loss in the division is great because if it is close between the Niners and the Seahawks for the NFC West, like little things like that matter. Division record is one of the tiebreakers. Yep. So it was a good Sunday for my Niners. It always comes back to those Niners, but kudos yes. to the Rams. <laughs> Let's stick with the NFC, but we're going to the NFC North. The Love Boat experiment gets underway with Green Bay finding a way. They put up a ton of points, 38 to 20 over the Chicago Bears. The Bears at some points looked like they were sleepwalking out there. Not a good performance. I was impressed with Jordan Love. I got to be honest, like the, the small sample size that we had seen of Jordan Love, whether it was at the end of a game, whether it was a, a random start when Aaron Rodgers was hurt in previous years, never looked like a complete quarterback, always looked like something was missing. Whatever was missing, they seem to have found at Jordan Love with a great opening performance. What are your thoughts on the Packers? Like, I never thought they would be, and this is just week one. It's just one game, I get it, but still at the same time, the Packers, 38 to 20, I was impressed. Jordan Love looked comfortable to me. He looked like a guy who had been sitting on the bench and was prepared for the opportunity. Now he's playing the Bears, who stink, yeah. but he still looked good. 15 of 27, 245, three touchdowns in the game, only got sacked one time. That's exactly what you wanted to see if you're the Packers. You know, this is sort of a fact-finding mission of a season for you. Is Jordan Love the guy? How does he look? You know, Basically, what's the journey you're going to take from the beginning of the year to the end of the year to decide what's going on with him? So far, so good. You're able to handle your business in a division game, in a division that's very, very winnable for you this year if you're the Packers. So good on you. And let me just flip it over to the Bears for a minute. I'm really tired of everybody telling me that Justin Fields is really good. I mean, he's really not. He's an incredible runner maybe the best runner at the quarterback position in the entire league. He's phenomenal as a passer. He's abysmal. He stinks. It's not good. It's, it's not even not good. It's hideously bad. He was 24 of 37, 216 yards, a touchdown, a pick. And before it was, well, he's got bad coaching. And then it was, well, his coaching is better, but he doesn't have any weapons. They got DJ Moore. Well, how'd DJ Moore do yesterday? Two targets for 25 yards. Thought that was going to rescue the Bears offense. No, maybe Justin Fields is just a really good runner and a really bad passer. Stop telling me he's going to make a leap and he's going to be Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. He's not. He's just not good. If he's going to improve, he has to improve in a major way as a passer. Is there a bigger stigma coming out of college than being a quarterback from Ohio State? <laughs> I mean, it's true. <laughs> it is true. I mean, I can't think of the last really good one that I've seen. You would have to go. I'm not, I am not joking. You'd have to go. The most successful Ohio state quarterback in recent memory is all the way back to Mike Tomzak. Wow. You're not like, counting Joe Burrow. <laughs> well, no, because even now oh, that's LSU. Come on. That's not, <laughs> that's what Ohio state fans are saying. We got Joe Burrow. <laughs> no, CJ, CJ Stroud, the book is out. You know, he still has a chance to prove himself as a capable quarterback for sure. Houston. But at the same time, it's like, man, um, I just, I, I, 
the Ohio State stigma, it's 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 real. It has to be real because they never pan out in the NFL. Justin Fields is kind of proving that week by week. Let's go to a game that we had as a sneaky good game. I thought it was a great game. Philadelphia Eagles 25, New England Patriots 20. We talked about Bill Bel- Belichick potentially finding some caveats within the Philadelphia Eagles scheme and their offense that maybe could be exploited. What did you think about the Eagles finding a way to win, but also about the New England Patriots hanging in there tough when most people thought they would get blown out? So, yeah, this was a weird game, and I was a little disappointed because we we didn't really get to see the Belichick versus the Eagles offense. And here's what I mean, right? So the Eagles are up 3 nothing. Then Darius Slay gets a 70-yard pick six to put the Patriots down 10 nothing, And then the Eagles get a touchdown drive. So it's 16 nothing, even though the Eagles offense didn't really do a ton and the game kind of got away from the Patriots. Now, to their credit, they came back in the second quarter threw up a couple of touchdowns, but I mean, the Eagles scored 25 points. They had one offensive touchdown in the game. So I feel like Bill Belichick did do a pretty good job of kind of slowing them down. I'm fascinated to see how other defenses kind of pick this one apart and see if they can apply some of the same things that, that Belichick did. But I want to give the Eagles credit because if you're a good team and you don't play necessarily your best and you still get a win and you get a win on the road, that's the mark of a good team. Yeah, unconventional, yes. Still a win, absolutely. And I think New England's probably going to lead this game and say, hey, that's a team that was in the Super Bowl last year, and we did not play a good game, and we hung with them, and we were within one score. And so they'll probably use that as some momentum moving forward. But that was a game I was actually surprised with in terms of how close it was because that thing, you you look at the – that's on paper. Just on paper, those rosters, that could have gotten away from the uh, Patriots pretty quick. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Good. Let me just throw in one more thing too. Um, You know, the Patriots are driving down at the end of that game to potentially win it. Yeah. They're moving the ball. Mac Jones got the ball back with a minute and forty-eight seconds left. They're driving down the field. They get to the twenty-yard line of the Eagles. Now it's fourth and eleven, and Mac Jones completes a pass to a receiver that's initially called a completion, and then they reviewed it, and he didn't get both feet down on the sideline, so they turned it over on downs. So, like, the Patriots were right there at the end of the game, and the Eagles' defense finally held. But I I think you could say the Patriots probably had the best loss of the weekend. I'd agree with that. You believer in Mac Jones? I think he's better than people think. Like, last year he looked bad, but he had Joe Judge and Matt Patricia (laughs) were running the offense. Like, who thought that was going to be good? Now he's got Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien is a good offensive coordinator. Absolutely. To me, Mac Jones is like Kirk Cousins. Like, you can win with him. You're not going to win a ton because of him, but you can win with him. I wish the the Patriots had some better skill players around him because I feel like they always are like, it's always like a Kendrick Bourne type of guy. Like, get a a stud. Where's your Randy Moss? Like, that kind of a thing. Um, They don't have that right now, but I I think the Patriots are going to be like, it's not an easy week when you play the Patriots. They might not win a ton. They might be around 500, but you're going to have to earn it every week against New England. Absolutely agree 100%. Let's go. We have a couple games left. The Las Vegas Raiders and the Denver Broncos, a one point game, 17 to 16. I, I've watched some of this game. I don't really know what to take away from this game, to be honest with you. Like the Raiders, they played what they played a decent game. It was obviously a low scoring affair. The Russell Wilson experiment in Denver. So you have a new coach and Sean Payton. You're thinking this is going to be the difference maker. And, and Russell Wilson's keeping receipts. Everything that guy says just is cringeworthy to me. But nonetheless, <laughs> it's one of those things where, 
I don't know what to really take away from this game. Like the Broncos faithful are really pissed off, rightfully so. But what do you think about this AFC West matchup? Well, both of these teams, I would look at them and say, this is the AFC West game you have to win because the other ones are going to be really, really hard. Um, I thought that Russell Wilson looked better, which I think he's going to look better with Sean Payton. Sean Payton's a really good offensive coach. It is week one. I think Russell looked better as they go through the year. I love Sean Payton's messaging to Russell Wilson, which was stop, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies and worrying about Russell Wilson, Inc. And just worry about actually playing football, which is a message that somebody needed to tell Russell Wilson. Yeah. But, you know, it's going to take time, I think, in Denver for him to adapt and for Payton really, you know, to learn Russell Wilson and get things in high gear. Credit to the Raiders, because this is not a team that generally wins a lot of one score games. Jimmy Garoppolo, 20 of 26, 200 yards, two touchdowns, had a hideous interception like he always does, but did enough to get the win. Yeah, and like I said, the Raiders are kind of flying high. They're thinking, they're feeling really great about themselves. And the Denver Broncos, like I said, the fan base is just just down in the dumps. They've got coming off of really bad seasons. They haven't had a stretch of this poor play for a long time. I don't think they're going to be as bad as a lot of people think. They think they're going to win some games. But like you said, this AFC West matchup, this is the one you got to find a way to win because it's going to be really tough when you're talking about the Chargers and the Chiefs, which we're going to talk about here next. Let's go to that Thursday night game because the last time we spoke was last Monday and we were talking about the kickoff game, the Lions and the Chiefs. It was 21-20. We know the Lions find a way to win. And like I mentioned, the Mike Tirico, this is an asterisk because, you know, Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones aren't in the lineup. A lot of people freaked out about it. I really don't care. But what were your thoughts and what were your takeaways from the Lions, not only holding the Chiefs to 20 points, but finding a way to win in the way that they did? Credit to the Lions. You don't have to apologize. You beat the Super Bowl champs on their home field to open the season. You didn't make Chris Jones hold out. You know, you didn't make... Uh, Travis Kelsey get injured. None of that is your fault. All you can do is play who's there and let's not act like the Lions have a history of winning these type of games. In fact, the opposite is true. They never win these type of games. They found a way to do it. Jared Goff, eh, Jared Goff, 253 yards, made it, had a touchdown pass, but Kadarius Tony has hands of stone, had one of the worst games I've ever seen a wide receiver have. I mean, Patrick Mahomes had nobody out there and he was still putting the chiefs in position to win. Now I know they didn't get it done, but if I'm the chiefs, like I look into a way to to trade for any wide receiver, like you have to be making calls. Just give me somebody and Patrick Mahomes will be good enough, but they weren't, I'm not worried about the chiefs. I'm not freaking out. I think Travis Kelsey will be back relatively soon. You know, he was apparently lobbying Andy Reid really, really hard to play in this game. I think the chiefs made the smart decision there. And it stinks to start your season 0-1 and to lose your season opener, but I think the Chiefs will be fine. And the Lions, you know, just kind of like the Packers, like you can win your division. So take any wins you can get, no apologies, and good for Detroit, man. They've had a long, a losing culture and a losing history there in Detroit. So I, I'm happy for Lions fans. So I have a quick question, quick sidebar here relating to Patrick Mahomes. He's a great quarterback. He's probably the best in the business right now. Do you have Patrick Mahomes fatigue, though? Are you of that ilk where you're like, oh, I'm really sick of seeing this guy every time I turn on the television. He's on every commercial now. Uh, I find myself slowly getting into that lane of Patrick Mahomes fatigue. I like Patrick Mahomes, but just because he's great at football and he is great, it doesn't mean every single thing he does is great. Like we get into this habit now when guys are really good. It's like 
he throws a pass. Oh my God. Look at the arm angle on Patrick. It's like, all right, he threw a five yard out. Like what's it's fine. It's he's really good, but we don't need to like invent reasons for him to be good. He's really, really good. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, he's, he's so freaking, he just squeezes every drop out of every play. Like he never has a play where he drops back to pass couple reads aren't open he just throws it away and you can just kind of like breathe easy as someone yeah. rooting for the defense it's always like oh my god nobody's open now he's rolling out he's getting to the <laughs> sideline there's no way he throws now he does a jump throw across the field and hits somebody 15 yards downfield and you're like oh my god he never just like lets you breathe yeah he's great i'm not taking that away from him but like you said not everything he does has to be great and what was great right. i think the best game of this week to wrap up this week and in our fans first football show was the Miami Dolphins and Los Angeles Chargers, an absolute explosion of offensive production. Just incredible. 36 to 34. The Dolphins find a way to win. Tua goes off. Tyreek Hill goes off. Justin Herbert. They were going back and forth. Just, I mean, this was the game that we said, Hey, this is a game you want to watch. If your team's not playing, you want to watch this game. And it lived up to the hype. Rob, like, what do you take away from this game? I mean, this AFC matchup was electric. Oh, this is just so much fun. As someone with no rooting interest on either side, right. I was like, yeah, sure. Throw another touchdown. <laughs> Why Tua Tungavailoa, 466 yards in the game, three Jeez. touchdowns. I think Tua had like the fourth or fifth most ever yards in a week one matchup in NFL history, which is incredible. The Dolphins are just, the second the game starts, they shove the accelerator down to the floor and they never let it up. I don't care if there's one second left before the half. We saw Mike McDaniel do some crazy things before the half. They just, it's speed, 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 and nobody can compete with them in that department. It is, it's, it, I, what I want to see is I want to see like these offenses go against like the San Francisco defense because the San Francisco defense is one of those units. Obviously, we just watched them in week one. They can really, impose their will on the opposition both of these teams were just kind of just moving up and down the track it was a track meet in every sense of the word it's in it's exciting it's entertaining i will go on record by saying i do like a little bit of defense go back to the patrick mahomes jared goff chiefs versus rams game that was another one very similar to this one in terms of just points galore out the wazoo and i was the guy saying can we get a couple defensive stops? Like that's okay. If we get a couple defensive stops, right? I mean, I do still like that defensive. I want to know what's going to happen with the dolphins when they do run into a couple buzz saws, maybe some of these defensive teams, but man, that game was a lot of fun and it was exciting. It's everything the NFL wants in 2023 was on that on field there. So it's, it's fantastic. First of all, I just want to point out the Dolphins played the 49ers last year and the Niners whooped them 33 to 17. So yeah. that just, you know, that solves that curiosity for you. <laughs> the Dolphins actually could have scored more. Tua had a fumble on like the two yard line on the opening drive of the game. So they even could have added more in this one. And you mentioned defense like Brandon Staley. When are the Chargers going to have a good defense? You've got talented players on that yeah. defense. And I feel like your team is always getting smoked. Like, Justin Herbert should be able to win when he puts up 34 points in week one. There's a lot of pressure on Brandon Staley. I think Kellen Moore is a head coach and waiting over there uh, in LA for the chargers. I want to see the chargers do well. Cause I love Justin Herbert and I love the chargers uniforms. They look fabulous. No matter which combination yep. they put on, but like you got to start winning more with this much talent on the field. And I feel like we say that all the time with the chargers, 
But again, 34 points. You should win when you score 34. And I know that Tua was like really, really good. The last, the late touchdown he threw to give them the lead was one of the prettiest balls I've seen in a long, long time. He dropped it right in the bucket in the end zone, literally right over the top of the helmet of the defender, perfectly in stride with the wide receiver. The Dolphins are going to be a ton of fun all year long. When you say like there's certain teams that, man, they just find a way to win. Every single week, they find a way to win. The Chargers are the team that always finds a way to lose. I don't care mm-hmm. what the situation is when Brandon Staley is at the helm. The, it just seems, and I hate to say that because I'm like you. I like Justin Herbert. I think he's a really great young quarterback. They always find a way to lose, and that sucks. It sucks for their fan base. It sucks for that team. Maybe they'll write the ship. We don't know. We will see as week one wraps up. Any final thoughts, Rob, on week one? I know the Monday night game is still yet to happen. Aaron Rodgers' debut, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun against Josh Allen. But any other final thoughts on week one before we call it a show? Just don't, excuse me, just don't overreact. Yeah. Don't, you know, again, like I said, yes, there's some things you could take away, but don't panic yet. Let's see what happens in week two. Let's see what corrections and adjustments are made. Fun things happen in week fun or not so fun, depending on who you root for. But just take everything with a grain of salt. I agree. One week does not make a season. For both ends of the spectrum, you big win. That's fantastic. Doesn't mean you're going to be in the Super Bowl. A horrible Mm -hmm. loss doesn't mean that your season's done. And we are going to be with you every step of the way, every single Monday morning, right here on the Fans First Football Show. Make sure you check us out everywhere fans first sports network fans sports.com rob why don't you tell people where they can find your 49ers coverage before we end it so we're at the gold standard podcast network we're on youtube you can find us gold standard network just search it will pop right up you can find the podcast everywhere podcasts are found uh we're going to be doing live videos every weekday we're live on youtube we've got a quick five minute daily update in the morning so uh, anything you want on the 49ers you can come and check it out Absolutely. You can find my work with the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Steel Curtain Network. You can also check us out, steelcurtainnetwork.com. Anywhere you get your podcasts or Steelers or Steel Curtain Network, you will find our content. There you have it. Week one is officially in the books for us here at FFSN. Rob, thanks for your time as always. We'll talk next week. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. See you.